0: The past, it used to be a newspaper. The Buff Podcast. Not outclassed. Once Get it on the mass. The Buff Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Iles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the Bolton Wanderers Podcast with infinite replays and absolutely no penalty shootouts. If we don't get a result at full-time, it's back to your place next Tuesday night. Record the show all over again. And on your FA Cup-soaked buff this week, Valley of the Lulls. looking back to Charlton Athletic. Get back. Jones shows us what he's made of. Krabby Stadium. Folk are not happy that the Cambridge game is off. And orders up. Which former Wanderers are now in the food business? All this, along with the best build up to Solihull Moors and Shrewsbury on the pod, which picked this FA Cup highlight completely at random.
1: A little 1 2 between Ramis and McCann. I for foreshaw. And that's a superb save from Arden Bogdan at point blank range. Prattley. On to Phoenix. Trotter to Clough. Oh, and a brilliant finish from the teenager. A dream
0: debut for Zach Clough.
1: Maloney's free kick. Another brilliant save by Bogdan.
0: Now, before we get started, a quick reminder of our November flash sale on subscriptions to the Bolton News. It's three quid for three months, and if you do it now, you'll be covered all the way to the end of the January transfer window, which is really, really important. Uh, The link uh, to subscribe is in the notes of this podcast. Just click that, you'll go straight through. Uh, You'll also find it on a pinned tweet on my Twitter account at the very top. Click, go straight through, free quid, unlimited Wanderers articles, video, audio, podcasts, the lot, everything we've done before, everything we'll do for the next three months. Can't say fairer than that. I should also remind you at this point that your business can advertise alongside our very best Bolton stories with Wanderers Boost. Get your brand in front of thousands and thousands of fans every single day by contacting John Ashley in our advertising department. His number is 01204 537 267. Or you can email the address, which again is in the podcast notes. I thank you. And now to introduce my co-host, a man who thought Hall was where the fictional police station was in the bill. It's Henry Hewitt.
1: Hi, yes, I have been uh, catching up on The Bill, ready for this, watching, I don't know, whatever, it's on UK TV Gold. Uh, and then for you just to tell me that, no, that's not the same Solihull. So I'm coming to his podcast with no idea on anything, like most weeks, to be honest.
0: <laughs> Sunhill is where the police station was for The Bill. Oh. I know, because I reckon I've watched The Bill at least six times over. But anyway, let's talk about Charlton. Let's move on swiftly from fictional police dramas and talk entirely about uh, the events at the valley. A good day, a good day. I mean three three wins on the spin, and if I'm not mistaken, a weekend where there wasn't much complaining.
1: No, there wasn't. Um I, I think a, a few there were a few people going, yeah, 2-0 at Charlton's good, but I we were 2 up at half time. Where's the second half goals? But uh no, I think on the whole everyone was very happy and I think it is it's important for context, isn't it? You know, people going into that game at Charlton were like, Well, it's gonna to be tough this, we can maybe take a some people were saying they'd take a draw, some people were saying it's tough. So to to come away with a clean sheet and a two 0 is great. Um, you know, and I think it's it changed from the uh, the Wickham game, uh, where obviously people were everyone was getting excited at half time and against Northampton and then when it didn't quite happen in the second half there were frustrations, but no, on the whole, very good um I mean, you were there what What do you think was different with this one to the Northampton and Wickham one
0: uh, hmm. good question i i I don't think Charlton were at their best. I think that is fair to say. I think that first half the home fans around me were were just. <laughs> throwing their arms up in the air at the the standard of the performance but Bolton basically made them that way I think they really did dominate the game um, dominated the ball, moved the ball as well as they have done I'm I'm pretty sure that's as good a half of football that Bolton have produced this season and took chances when they came along, obviously got got themselves 2-0 up, Um, Dion scored yet again, um, which we'll talk about in a bit, is scoring prowess but they got themselves into a great, great, great position. And what happened at halftime, I think everybody would ex- would have expected Charlton to improve in that second half. They had to do something different. And you could tell the first five minutes or so in that second half, they just threw everything forward, bombed on. And Bolton, at that point in time, there was the difference. At Wickham, that goal went in. The, the psychology of the game changed completely. At Charlton... They hammered everything down, made sure that... I don't think Baxter really had uh, one or two. There was one header, actually, right right at the start of the second half. Jones headed just over the bar. Had that gone under the bar, gone in, you're probably looking at another Wickham. But because that goal didn't go in, you know, Bolton had something to hold on to at that point in time. They steadily shifted the momentum again. It became a bit like a basketball game. You know, Charlton were pouring forward, but Bolton would catch them on the break little bit better finishing. Yeah, you can probably micro-nitpick and say they probably should have scored in that second half, should have taken the game completely away from them. But I I thought, personally, that was the most complete performance of the season. One where you walked out and you couldn't fail but be very impressed and encouraged by it.
1: Yeah, I, I think, arguably, Bolton created the, the best chances they've created in a second half of a game in the game against Charlton. Um but I think it, yeah, it, it, I think it did help. They, Charlton had chances, they didn't score them, so it always gave Bolton that buffer and a bit of freedom uh, to uh, to bomb forward or hit, try and hit them on the break when you know when we did. But um, it's it's a nice habit to have getting two nil ahead early doors. And as much as you know, I've said before, I'd love them to go and be win a four five nil. And I, as I said last week, ironically, it'll probably happen this weekend when we might as well win one nil. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think um, you know for me it was more important the clean sheet, and that's what we got because I feel we've we've not had a clean sheet in a while. We've been conceding, uh, you know, two against Wickham, two yeah. against Stevenage, three against Carlisle. So um, yeah, the, the clean sheet was was uh, the best thing for me. And um, as it turned out, we we almost went into second. And, uh, yeah, things are looking rosy. And um, and I think now now we've hit you know, I know Ian Everett looks at the, uh, the season in sort of sections and I'm sure he, he probably looked at this one and this section ending here as we go into the FA Cup game. But, you know, would you take third place gaming and on the two above us? Um, yeah, you would. So I think he'd be very happy. And you now push on to the, the league games that are all or leading up to that Portsmouth away game, you could argue are all winnable.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a strange old month because obviously you've got the international break in the middle of it. There's football league trophies, there's cup games. There's, it's, quite a, it's quite a busy month, but it's it seems to be quite stretched out, if you know what I mean. So it, I think you're right. I think you look at that, Portsmouth game at the start of December and they've got Oxford actually the week before so those two games I suppose right now are are quite uh, quite defining but what position the league table will be in by that point in time I don't know I think they're tickling along quite nicely I'm, I'm quite happy with the way things are at the moment yes probably that clean sheet has come at the right time because maybe a few questions were being asked about the goals they were conceding especially as they're not really giving away that many chances it was just for some some reason, the goals against, particularly at home, um, seem to be quite high. So, yeah, maybe that's something for Ian ever to have a look at. But I think the general standard of play, they're looking confident. They're playing some some very decent football. Um, On the defensive side, I did want to mention two people. Uh, The first was Gethin Jones, who we've talked about quite a lot recently uh, since the red card against Peterborough, since he came back into the team over Will Forrester. I thought Saturday... He was my man of the match. He was a train full of Bolton fans' man of the match as well. Um, and he was also one of the very few Bolton players who ventured into the catering cart on that train. They all, We all got back the same train. The, the, the lads were out in first class and sealed themselves away. But Dion, Charles and, and Gethin Jones managed to sneak down the carriage uh, to go and get themselves a brew. Um, I said it was a bad idea and about... 20 minutes later, they probably agreed with me uh, after having been sung at and selfied to death, I think, uh, on their way in to get a brew. But uh, Gethin was, was out, outstanding on the day.
1: Yeah, he, I thought it was a really strong performance uh, down that uh, right hand side. And, um, you know, he, he really connected well with Dacus Cogley. And um, also, yeah, yeah, Dacus Cogley on the right is I always get yeah. mixed up with where Williams and Dacus Cogley uh, both play, but. Uh, whether it's right and left, I need to go back to school, Mark. To learn the right and left.
0: <laughs> just, just write um, a big R and a big L on your hand. That's that was how <laughs> I learned it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: No, in me, I'd, I'd write them on the wrong hand. Though. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think he, as I said before, he's, he's a. I don't think you're going to get ten out of ten performances from Jones every single week, but I think most of the weeks you're going to get solid seven seven out, and a half out of him and i think you need that type of player and he's he works well with santos they've mm. they've clearly got a great relationship um he works well with a few uh wing backs now so um so yeah uh, you know he's a good performance by him but that's going to happen when you don't concede goals and uh the defense is going to have a strong day as i say if you don't concede and that's what happening is charlton so hopefully we can now take this on because i feel with bolton sometimes we are a team that go on runs of, of wins or runs of not conceding goals mm. or whatever. So hopefully we can we can have one of them where we have a, a dry November.
0: A dry November. Um, I'm not sure if that's a thing. It might be. But uh, I, I think the point you make about Jones, I, I think he does bring the best out of other players sometimes. And I think mm. had a good game Saturday. I think uh, his combination play with whatever wing-back he's playing with tends to bring the best out of them. And I think that's, you know, he's not a player that's going to grab a lot of headlines. Like you say, he's probably not going to get 10 out of 10 every single week. Um, But I do think he does bring better performances out of those around him. Um, And I think Santos is definitely one of them. I think Santos feels a lot more secure when he's got Jones to his right-hand side. That's not doing Will Forrester a disservice, because I think he played really well. But I do think when... The first choice three are there. It looks a good unit at the moment. Santos at the weekend was playing a completely different sport at one stage. I, I've it some absolutely bizarre stuff. He was bouncing Alfie May like a rag doll at one stage. <laughs> um, you know, he's bringing the ball out of defence. He's I saw him surging down the right wing at one time and, and crossing for Randall Williams. It, it was one of those uh, all-action super skipper type of performances.
1: Yeah, it was the, I'm the best player on the pitch, so I'm going to do what I want, and I'm the biggest yeah. player like you get at school. Um, yeah, it was like Santos was year 11, playing with a load of year nines. But um, yeah, good performance from Santos. And I think I'm really glad... Um, I mean Alfie May's a really good player. He showed that on Tuesday. He scored a couple yeah. of goals against Wigan, didn't he? But I think for, for I'm I'm glad for our sakes that it was Dion that got the goal and Alfie May uh didn't and and um probably had one of his poorer games. I mean I've not really seen him for Charlton, I've just seen his goals, but he's he's probably had one of his poorer games for them. Um and I, I know no one was saying, Oh, is it, it's Dion or Alfie May. I think people were more saying let's have both of them but I think it showed that our performance especially in that first half and how the uh the the front two and the the midfield and the wing backs all connected with each other um yeah it showed that we I don't think we've necessarily missed out on Alfie May um he's a very good player and he, he's doing well for Charlton but I'd rather have our team with Dion to be honest
0: yeah maybe maybe I mean I think uh, Alfie May. He had one one half chance, I think, with a, a pullback that he kind of dragged wide from the edge of the box. He was he was lively. I think in the second half you saw more of of what he's about as a player. Uh, first half Charlton were were basically launching the ball to him, and, and Ricardo Santos was absolutely dragging him all over the place. Second half I think they brought on the bigger uh, guy Leeburn up front, Miles Leeburn, who looks like a really good player by the way. And there was a bit there was yeah. a bit more. Um, Bit more forward play, a bit you, it, it, the ball stuck a lot better for Charlton, and and Alfie May was able to play around him. I I do think he's a good player, and I think he could fit in even around Dion Charles, but um we'll never know. What We may never know. Who knows what the future brings? But uh, certainly, right at the minute, I wouldn't swap anybody for Dion Charles because he's getting in the right place at the right time, and he's got Bolton into a position now in the table now i know oxford have won in midweek so they've edged ahead they've played a game more um so they're three points up but does the does the cup come at a bit of a an awkward time now because really what you'd like to do is to to get straight back on the horse and get a fourth straight win really
1: yeah i i get that and you know the shrewsbury game next week is gonna be a tough game Mm. they beat derby recently so i think uh it I don't know whether it'll come at it comes at the right time because you'd imagine, and we'll talk about it later on, but you know, you'd imagine that Dion wouldn't play. You'd imagine that uh, there'd be a few others that uh, will just get a bit of a rest, um, and then they would have had ten day rest going into that Shrewsbury game. Where I, I mean, I don't know if Shrewsbury play. I don't know if their squad there's any injuries or whatever, but you'd imagine maybe that their big hitters would play in in their game. Um, but I think the cup is a, a great chance for us to to just have a bit of fun this season like we've mm. we've had such a dreadful record in the f a Cup Ian Everts had a dreadful record in the f a cup so you'd imagine that Solihull are a good team, but if we can beat them, which you'd imagine we would do and then get a good draw in the second round and then you're looking at a third round draw and we could be going back to a Premier league ground so uh no, i think okay, you'd always rather take a win in the league but I'm I'm quite looking forward to Saturday I think it'll be good and, and we're going in a good form which is good
0: Shrewsbury at home to Colchester to answer your question um, yeah okay. I'm, I'm with you I, I think a cup run's overdue I, I'm I'm always for a cup run regardless of circumstance and we've we talk about you know naming a uh, you know, reduced squad or what have you. As my phone interrupts me, um, but we talk about naming a reduced squad. I'm not for that. I, I I think that people will be itching to to get themselves a match of the day and uh, and get those get those goals. And particularly people like Dion who, who will be wanting to play every single game with these these goal records creeping up for him. So um, play your best team. Let's go for it. Okay, let's have a look at some headlines, Henry, that you've specially selected from our garden of the Bolton news. Yeah.
1: News. Yeah, and funnily enough, Dion is the first headline. Uh, wow. He's got ten goals. He's got it faster than anyone since Michael Ricketts, the uh, the famous Michael Ricketts. caught sort of the peak <laughs> of Bolton scoring stats, and we're of. Well, I say the peak. We are now on our way back up to a new peak with Dion um but you always look back to rickets for these things and uh dion is uh we, it's funny we were saying off air that with dion he's he's become i, I feel he's become more of a goal scorer this season you know his all-round play maybe isn't as what it was last year but he is scoring more goals which you would probably take
0: no i get that and i i completely agree with it i One of the big things about Dion Charles has always been his work off the ball and chasing those kind of lost causes and making life difficult for defenders. And he's still doing a lot of that. But I think that he's starting to get that kind of selfish streak, which is probably what Bolton need from him. He's getting in those right places, and you can't do that if you're chasing out to the corner flags and you know closing down goalkeepers and all the other all the other stuff that uh, that comes around. I think he's starting to be selective. He's he's probably starting to learn a little bit more. Personally, I'd like to see a little bit more from him in the build-up phase, as they call it. Um, I think occasionally, I think his distribution is it lets him down a little bit. I think that's where he has to improve, but. I think as a goal scorer, he has taken a lot of good steps in the last 12 months. And, you know, 20 goals this season should be pretty achievable. Now, having got to to 10 goals in 15 games, as you say, nobody's done that since Ricketts. Um, Nathan Blake was the last person to do it before that. John McGinley's done it a couple of times, but you're talking you're an exclusive company there. Um, Chris Mann, who I'll give a shout out to now because he crunched some fantastic numbers for us last night. Uh, He runs the BWFC stats and Burnden Aces sites, but he's looked back over the fullness of time um, and and given us a couple of stats. Now, I'm going to try and do something a bit bigger in in the paper and to, to... sort of really pad out uh, a story but um, Nat Lofthouse did it in seven games by the way so if you're talking about the the absolute echelons that's that's the uh, the fastest 10 goals that uh, Bolton have ever done uh, from the start of the season but um, Dion is in very very good company is in great form he's got that I say all the time he's got that kind of arrogance about him uh, that good strikers do and hopefully, you know, that can continue because if, if he's firing, then, then Bolton have always got a chance.
1: Yeah, you, we've needed this person for for so long. Um, you know, Medine threatened to do it in uh championship and he got sold yeah. in January. But yeah, we need we just need a goal scorer. I've said before, you look at teams like Peterborough, for example, they always seem to have a 20-goal-a-season striker and yet we never do. And, uh, you know, as great as the glory days were, for us under Big Sam and the Premier League years and um and whatnot, we 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 never had anyone who got over twelve. Um I think one season we had about four players on seven and we were finishing yeah. in like sixth. So um so yeah, it's it's everyone loves a goal scorer and that's who Dion Dion is. And I said before, okay, maybe he's uh, the other part of his game and I, I mean like the um and you I think you've you've hit the nail on the head, the selfishness, you know, sometimes he's got the ball, Adebayo's in a better position, and he he goes and shoots, or tries to take on his man, but I I would take Dion Charles scoring 25, 30 goals this season, over him passing the ball to Adebayo, so uh, yeah, Dion is doing well, and uh, yeah, we, I mean the next headline we're going to look forward to some new, uh, you know, where Bolton and a lot with new signings in January. But do you think that if Dion continues, if he gets to say fifteen for January, could Bolton have a bit of a? I, I hope not, but could we have a bit of a struggle to keep him on our hands?
0: It's bound to be, it's bound to be on the cards in some way, shape or form. I mean, we we know that Stoke and a couple of others were looking at him in in the summer. Um, nobody tested Bolton's grip on him particularly but I think with every goal he scores now and particularly now having got back into double figures you know the, the idea of giving him a new contract and, and they're in such a good position Bolton I think it's going to take a very big offer and it's going to have to because actually to get a player of Dion Charles's quality in January is going to cost a lot of money as well so there's, there's that trade off as well but yeah I can, I can definitely see teams in the championship having a look at him and and, and assessing him because, you know, goal scorers are a, a rare commodity and especially, um, you know, ones that, that championship teams may feel within their budget type of thing. So, um, yeah, I can see it being an interesting January. Uh, do subscribe to the Bolton News because if you were uh, subscribed now, by the way, three months for £3, that brings in the entire of the January window, just another quick advert just to drop in there. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, interesting. Now, another headline.
1: Yeah, so looking to January then, uh, and Bolton have uh, obviously we're looking forward to hopefully some new signings that can push us over the line and get us promoted. Um, but an interesting line from it is that they 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 kind of looking at players that can avoid injuries, mm. and I think a, a few of our signings, maybe the under-lose of this world, uh, has has kind of been hit and miss. But Varson as well, with have get you know being a bit injury prone, so. Maybe is that something that they've looked at and thought, well, we can't really afford that?
0: I think it's more a case of how they handle new players. I mean, we must have heard Ian Ever talk about, uh, you know, he's not fit enough or he's not robust enough or we're bringing him up to speed. I mean, the last few transfer windows, that's been the case. We're going back, probably Dion Charles was the last one that, that came in and just really hit the ground running. Morley, potentially, as well. Did really well early on. It's a rarity to see Bolton sign a player and then for them immediately to get into the team and to to be running uh, straight away. Normally they need a full pre-season. And I think what the club are looking at at the minute is how they can potentially tailor those those early training sessions to be able to phase them in better. Because I think with uh, Mendes Gomez, with Magoma in the last few weeks you know them breaking down was really not in the plan and i think that's probably opened a few eyes and and maybe caused a bit of a rethink as to how they potentially manage new signings and how fast they they push them because these muscular injuries can happen it looks as if uh you know i'm not talking with any massive amount of uh, of knowledge about the medical side but it does look as if Bolton train hard they push their players they they expect them to play at a very very high level so it looks as if in order to get that over a longer term they may have to kind of tweak the way they the way they come in because it's no use signing players is it and and they break down within a few weeks and then they always seem to be playing catch-up you mentioned in Lundlew there it, it just feels like a lot of Bolton's signings need to get to the next pre-season before we actually see the best of them
1: yeah um and you could say that with Adebayo, that's what happened with him last year. I know he scored a few goals, but you, you always felt that he was just not playing... Yeah, maybe playing catch-up. You know, there was always that he just didn't quite click. And and obviously, I feel, I feel he started the season very well. So, uh, but yeah, you can't really afford to to keep on doing that. You can't really afford to be bringing in players and then going, well, they'll be good in 12 months. Um, <laughs> well, it's a bit
0: It's so, a bit Manchester City, that, isn't it? You look at City a lot, a yeah. lot of the time, they sign players don't do anything for 12 months because it takes time to get... But Bolton are not in that level. They, they can't afford to bring in players and have to wait for them. Yes, they may have to tweak kind of the way that they do come in. Maybe you have to wait a little bit longer for them to hit top whack. But um, I don't think they can afford to do a City. No. <laughs> that's, that's a newsflash, I mean, isn't it? Well, Bolton can't yeah. afford to do a Manchester City. Well, what, 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 what a brilliant piece of insight there, Isles.
1: Yeah, well we'll take their we'll take their youth players on loan and we'll take their goals, uh, the, the goalposts, but um right, moving on to the next headline. Uh, we mentioned Geffen Jones before uh, and he's had a difficult time of late. Uh, he played well against Charlton, but he's uh, he gave you a very honest interview didn't he after the game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, we we got him after the game and uh, he kind of had a, a wry smile coming up to to speak to the, the local lads and I think he knew the kind of questions that were going to come his way, because obviously, you know, we hadn't spoken to him well for for a fair while, but certainly not since all this big uh, brouhaha over the red card and his his loss of form. But I think he was very honest. He is a very honest chap, to be fair. Um, just said, listen, you know, there's some of my performances before the red card weren't fantastic before the international break. Um, the the red card itself, it was the first in his career, which I didn't realise. Um, the fact that he was out for three games really hit him quite hard and maybe just shook him a little bit to be able to to get back to to where he needs to be and we we'd seen i think in the Salford game before the international break that he was allowed to play and was it Salford or united it was it might have been united
1: uh, united yeah yeah
0: and he came in he played really well then you could tell he had a bit of the, the you know bit between his teeth for that one and i think That was kind of the way he was in the last couple of games as well. I think he's played very, very well. There will always be people that refuse to acknowledge that or can't let go of the fact that they thought he was playing poorly. It usually happens slower with some than most, but I think I can spot a decent performance or a player that's got some motivation when I see one and I think, Getting Jones looks like he's got the motivation to maybe prove those people wrong, prove the people that were criticising over that over that period wrong.
1: I mean, Geffen's been through a lot in his his young life as it is, so I think he's this sort of thing is, I, I, don't, I you know it'll concern him, it'll worry him, and he'll obviously he, you know you want to be loved by everyone, but I, th- I don't think it's uh, it's going to bother him too much. If, um, you know, he's, he's vice captain for a reason. Um, so uh, yeah, it's good to see that he he did play well on on Saturday, and hopefully he can have a run of games now where he is doing what we we know he can do best. I think um, you know when he's getting up, up that wing, he's helping out uh, Dacus Cogley with the overlaps, and it's uh, it really adds us an extra dimension, which I, I don't think there's many players at this level in his position will do. So mm. um, so yeah, hopefully he can. This is a bit of a turning point for him, and he can end the season strongly.
0: Give us another headline, then Henry.
1: Yeah, so this is a an interesting one. You've really been uh, checking out the stats this week in the headlines, and it turns out that in over 50% of uh, the times played this season, Bolton have been ahead. Uh, I mean, with us being third in the league, maybe you'd expect that, but um, what does that tell us about... Because we have scored a lot of goals in the first half, haven't we? So I guess yeah. we we get we getting the lead early on and then defending it.
0: Well, I picked up on something that Ian Everett said at last week before the Charlton game. And we've been talking about the Wicker match and the fact that were, there was a supposed drop-off in second half of games this season. And they've not scored as many goals. I think that's statistically sound. They've not scored as many goals in the second half. They've often, as you say, scored early on. So they're in a, a winning position. So Ian Everett said, I, I can't really give you a, a definitive answer, but the best I can say is that we're actually ahead in games and it's it's not been a case of chasing games, as has been the case so often in the past, or even scoring late on, which was a hallmark of Ian Everett's team for a long time, that they kind of wore teams down and talked about fitness and that last 10 minutes seemed to have a goal every other week. It hasn't been like that recently. And, and I kind of thought about it, I looked at the statistics behind it and it, and it is true that I think it's something like 53% of the total minutes played this this season so far. Bolton have been ahead in games and so it's a very different way of, of kind of watching and viewing the game. You're not... You're not chasing anything. There's no kind of jeopardy there. It's more a case of you controlling stuff. So it, it probably involves a different type of mentality and and maybe that's what the team is starting to develop. It's that they're holding on to leads. Now I know what they did against Wickham. That's that's by the by. Uh, they they have found a way to win that one. Um, they lost a the lead against Carlisle. That was a lesson learned as well, potentially. Um, but I think in general, over the last couple of games you're seeing a little bit more grit a little bit more metal defensively certainly the Charlton one was a big step in the right direction and and maybe that this is this is the new Bolton Wanderers it's not last minute Wanderers anymore maybe we can afford that early dart to the car park um, because you're game is pretty much wrapped up by half time you know you know what type of game it's going to be by half time really I, I it's just it just interests me really that and, and the stats I say that you know more than 50% of the game ahead that's nearly twice what it has been in the last two seasons it's it's a real anomaly it's a completely different uh, breakdown that it has been in the last couple of seasons
1: yeah it does and it's uh, you know I, I think there's pros I mean there's not many cons to it is it when you're winning games but i think there's oh, definitely really? yeah yeah there, there is pros uh to it. it it does change the game i think sometimes you know if you can get the early goal it means that and last season you know we were having conversations of going well teams are just coming and camping in the uh in defense wasting time it's frustrating why can't Bolton score early it changes the game and then this season we're doing it and people are moaning because we're not scoring enough goals so I guess they can yeah yeah, they can never win but um yeah I think it just changes and it it is important if we can score early, you know early on it does mean that teams have got to change the way they play against us like that Northampton game we went 2-0 up early on and okay we went it ended up 2-1 and they did have to come out a bit in the second half But you you can imagine Northampton would have just... I mean, they they camped in for the first half as it is. So they would have just done that throughout the game. It would have got a bit uh, frustrating. Same with the Stevenage game. We know what Steve Evans' teams are like. So if that would have been 0-0 or 0-1 for a while, it would have got frustrating. So, Mm. yeah, there are positives to it. You know, would I rather... I mean, to leave the game, you would, I guess it's more exciting as a fan to leave the game having won 2-0 and scored two in the past 85 minutes from having and scoring two in the first five minutes and yeah. uh and the game petering out but that's purely on a fan point of view at the end of the day and we said this again about the northampton game at the end of the season no one looks back and goes yeah we've been promoted but that northampton game was a bit annoying wasn't it when we didn't uh we didn't win it 4-0 when we could have won it you know, 4-0. Mm. You just look back and go, oh yeah, we won that, that was big and that uh, that sort of week was big's week. So yeah, I guess in, in hindsight, uh, on the whole, it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, whether we're ahead for 60 minutes of a game or ahead of six seconds of a game as long as you win.
0: Absolutely. Give us another headline then.
1: Uh, so the youth team have gone through in the FA Youth Cup. They beat Blackpool. Uh, yes. Julian Darby's youth team, um, which is great. Great news for the the club, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. It is uh, not had a fantastic record in the FA Youth Cup in the last few years, even though there's been some very decent teams. Um, we always give it the uh, the kind of the treat, the full first team treatment for for FA Youth Cup. I know Dan Barnes went to, along to Chorley and watched the game, and they had a lot of injuries. I think Julie Darby said they were missing about five players that would have played in that team. Um, so it was a bit backs to the wall at times but uh, Connor Lewis, Bolton fan, always great to see a Bolton fan coming and scoring for Bolton Wanderers I might add, uh, Harrison Fleury with the other goal, uh, 2-0 win against Blackpool who really fancied their chances going into that game as well so really happy for them interested to see how they'd go on the, the cup draw but it's it's always nice to shine a bit of a, a spotlight on the younger players uh, and particularly the 18s because I feel like Because the B team has kind of established itself as a separate entity now, the 18s aren't necessarily getting the same sort of spotlight as they maybe once did. Um, uh, Certainly a few years ago, when you think back to Nicky Spooner's team, uh, quite a lot of attention got got given to that team so I, I think it's it's nice to be able to to look at this now and see how they go on the next round and and, and see what players could potentially be pushing for a, a spot in the B team next season um they had a couple they've already done it I know Sam Inwood played for example and uh, there's there's a couple of uh, couple of players who who caught the eye um in in the game the other night so uh yeah hopefully they get a good draw and uh It'd be quite nice to get one of the one of the big boys and really test themselves. I should uh, should wonder.
1: Yeah, well, we've already seen uh, Man United. youth team this year, and they weren't much uh, up to much with it. <laughs> so maybe we can have a trip to Old Trafford with the youngsters and win. Uh, we'll give them a chance this time. We'll only win six one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? But no, that, I think it's it's just good. It's it's nice to be able to cover the club as a whole and. Mm. Uh, it's not easy with the staff and resources that we've got and such like but it is nice to to give them a little bit of a spot out every once in a while
1: yeah and i do think the the youth cup does that you know yeah mm. the the league it's it is important what they do in the the, the league that they're in and getting the, the you know the the games that they play but this is special this is kind of it's i guess the youth cup for you know, the, the, the youngsters, the under 18s is kind of like the FA cup used to be in the seventies and eighties where on sixties, where it was the most important thing that you yeah, were in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's nice that we can have a bit of, a bit of that. Hopefully they can get, yeah, a good draw or they can get through to the next round and, uh, and progress and, and everyone can, can get behind them. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's all part of the squad that is, and the, the club that is growing again. Um, because as important as it is the first team doing well if you can get the youth teams doing well like uh, Bolton traditionally in the last 20 years haven't really produced many players that have come through but you think of that team that had Clough and uh, I think Vella was in it as well and and they were a, and holding there were a few that came through at the mm-hmm. same time so hopefully we can have that again
0: Yeah yeah I I I think the way they've Restructured in recent years has, has kind of set things back a little bit and maybe it's only in this next couple of years we're really going to see uh, exactly how that works but I think the conveyor belt got stopped a little bit uh, a few years ago when they decided to go down the B team route and now it's it's slowly starting up again but um, these uh, these guys are definitely the future of the club so uh, good luck to them I hope uh, I hope to be reporting on them plenty in the years to come as well so uh, give us another headline to finish us off
1: Yeah, final headline, and there's another international uh, week that Bolton won't be playing this time uh, when we're due to play Cambridge away, which I know a few few fans weren't uh, too happy about because um, they would have seen that as a a decent trip. I went last year, and it's a a nice place, Cambridge. The the ground's a very old school ground, I've got to say. Hopefully, it's not a ground that will be our type of ground that we're visiting much. Uh, in the near future, when we uh, get promoted, hopefully. But um, <laughs> but no, it, it's, a, it's, a, um, yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's it's a nice. It was a nice away day. So uh, if, if any fans are going to be doing that this year, it'll have to be probably on a Tuesday. Or if we get beat to Solihull, it'll be on probably second round day.
0: I do wonder whether or not they've got one eye on the second round, just in case. I I don't personally expect that to be the case, especially for both teams, but. Uh, yeah, that is that is also a possibility. I think the international breaks are just a little bit inconvenient, especially when you they, they all seem to be falling on away games. Now, a lot of people, their world revolves around Bolton Wanderers and revolves around going and watching the team play, regardless of where it is in the country. And, you know, there's some, some great folk that populate the coaches and the and the trains and such like and go to the end of the universe to watch Bolton. And when a game like that is taken away, Tuesdays are very inconvenient. Um, I know there's Wanderers TV, I know there's streaming and all that, but it's not the same, is it? And it can be very inconvenient. People sometimes even have travel and, and such like already booked. So um, I, I can sympathise. The flip side of that, of course, is that of course you want Bolton Wanderers to be progressing when they progress, international players materialise, ergo you end up calling off games. Uh, I know Ian Everett has, has said that he thinks all games should be cancelled across that break, and so you're not going to get this kind of weird disparity that you have. Already Stevenage have you two more games than Bolton? It could well be three games more than Bolton by the end of uh, end of the month. I'm not sure how it kind of pans out in November. Um, it does seem weird that we're not even halfway through the season and yet some teams have played three games more. Maybe that's something they can have a look at. Personally, I would rather see all these international games played within a short space of time. And do you know what? I wonder whether somebody like Gareth Southgate would fancy that as well. Would you rather have your international players together for a month and be playing three games and be able to work with them for a month or spread out over the course of four months uh, with everything that can happen in between? I don't know. Maybe. Um I would imagine I would imagine it would be quite a, a favourable idea for him. But um how about you? do you do you mind too much that uh, Bolton won't be playing on, on the is it the eighteenth, I think, and you could have another free weekend?
1: Uh I don't I don't I don't wanna say I don't care when you Yeah. It's uh you know, everyone plays the same amount of games at the end of a season and I think there's more international breaks at the start of a season than at the end. I don't. I don't see Bolton being left with having to play four games in a week. So, and to be honest, as everyone knows, I, I go to away games, but I don't go to as many as um, as others. I went to Cambridge last year, so I probably wouldn't have gone this time. Also, I've just had a baby, so that wouldn't have gone down well with my missus. But um, <laughs> uh, I quite like the Tuesday nights where you can you you finish work and. You can stick uh Wanderers T V on and uh, and watch them. So it doesn't matter to me. I I as uh, yeah, it's uh, I can understand with some. I can understand when you you go to a free away game, it's frustrating. You've maybe got a book a day off work if you're going to Cambridge you have a day after off work, so it's it's annoying. But um yeah, I think uh, in terms of the, the, the playing, you know, we've played less than others, I don't I don't think that matters. And and to be honest. I know there's the old cliche of oh, I would rather have the points on the board than games in hand, but I think there is that there is something to be said for, for Bolton at the moment, knowing that if we get a good result against Shrewsby on Tuesday, we could go in the top two. There's that sort of carrot that's there and I, I quite like that.
0: Yes, yes. Well you'll never you'll never stop folk complaining. It's just awkward. It's just awkward is what it is. It's uh, and it's awkward for me. It's awkward for <laughs>
1: Of I would, course, yeah.
0: I would much rather have gone in and out to Cambridge in a day. But of course, when it's night kickoff, it becomes a different matter. I'm staying over and all sorts of stuff. Other people don't even have that luxury. So I uh, completely uh, take my cap off to them. Um, but, um, well, I suppose we better get used to it because Bolton are only going to get more international players the further we go up and the more international breaks. So it's just going to be one of those things. In fact, next season when the uh, Sky deal kicks in, good grief, there's going to be some disruption. I can't wait to deal with that one. Um, All right, I'm going to get emails, which reminds me, it's time for the emails. Is that Philip Maresh? Emails, actually. Yes, sorry. I've been trying to get rid of uh, a few of these emails uh, for a while. So I'm going to rattle through a few of our uh, timeless ones um, that have been uh, been with this for a couple of weeks. Um, this one's from Harold De Buff. Can I start by saying thank you very much to Mark for stopping uh, for a chat at the Bolton Beer Festival? I hope his head was better than mine in the morning. Uh, it wasn't, uh, FYI. It was definitely not. Um, I don't know if you'll remember, which probably tells you what state I was in, uh, but uh, we were talking about the old Central Reserve League, which Bolton Wanderers won in 1994-95. Um, I checked and I was right about Owen Coyle. He scored 23 goals in 23 games for the reserves that season. Quite something. Um Burnham Park was a great place to go and watch reserves, and I think most Bolton fans considered them their second team, knowing when they were doing well, who was scoring goals, etc. I wondered if you guys could help us keep up to date on how the B team are going on by having a section in your podcast. Just a thought. We'll be listening either way. Um, A B team section, that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, um, we could get Dan on. He's roving reporter. He could come on and, uh, and tell us how the. We... Uh, how are we doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I keep up to date through uh, social media on how the B team are doing. Um, the, again, the games, I, I imagine, I may be wrong, but I imagine when Harold was going and watching uh, the Central Reserve League, the matches would have been on, say, a, I don't know, a Tuesday or Wednesday night or a Monday night. I think I, I watched Bolton a few times, played Gig Lane, actually, in the, mm. the early noughties, uh, Bolton Reserves. Um but so i think the is i think it's when the games are on it's just inconvenient for a lot of people um you know like a, an afternoon kickoff if, yeah if you live near if you live in horwich and you can sort of pop, you know you work from home you can pop over for an hour or two then that's great but when you don't and you're at work it's uh yeah it's it's a bit it's a more difficult so um yeah i i, I like hearing who's scoring goals i like hearing Who's doing well? I, I I like also hearing when uh, like uh, Sitole has gone to Ultringham for a month, hasn't he? So I, I think uh, I like hearing when they, they're going off and and playing um, on loan and seeing how they're doing there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I might might get into Dan's ribs and see if he fancies doing us an update. Anything anything that takes a little bit of work off my hands, I don't mind. That's I'm all <laughs> for that, Harold. I'll have a word with my uh, associates. Second email then, uh, dear Mark and Henry, congratulations by the way, uh, says Chris M. Um, one for your Bolton Wanderers fusion experiments uh, from a few weeks back now. Um, how about, right, so let me just explain the premise because this is going to sound really stupid otherwise. Um, I can't remember how it came about, but we had a, a stream of letters with, with people who were fusing Bolton, former Bolton Wanderers players with other Bolton Wanderers players to create a super Bolton Wanderers player for example as Chris M says here Frank Worthing Tony um, it's a Burnham Park legend who always had a tip for the 4.15pm at Kempton boom boom hey eh? um, or John Byramario, Uh the same outspoken swaggering goal scoring presence only with a touch of Samba Flair I I yeah. go and watch John Byramario
1: um, I think that's what fi- we were hoping for. we were hoping that for Mario Jardel it never happened <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you know what? Talk about Mario Jardel. I, I was spoke, speaking to Kevin Poole um, for an interview for this week's paper. Kevin Poole is the goalkeeping coach at uh, Solihull Moors and obviously played for Bolton for a good few years. And I said one of the, the very few games I remember him starting for Bolton was actually against Liverpool in the League Cup. Yeah. Obviously Bolton got to the final that year and uh, Kevin Poole was on the bench but uh, Kevin Poole started that game Bolton beats Liverpool at Anfield which in itself is a huge rarity but Mario Jardel scored in that game yeah and I, I said I said uh, you know he said I remember, he said I remember Mario Jardel scoring in that game he says but I cannot remember a single other thing about him wow. I'm like you are the only Bolton Wanderers player from that time that could not give me a Mario Jardel story. Like, every other person that shared that dressing room has got some, even if it's something that's completely unprintable, has got something to say about Mario Jardel. But for some reason or another, Kevin Paul could not furnish me with said story. What, what a disappointment.
1: I know, that's... Uh, I, yeah, it's... Um, I'm... I'm... Yeah, Mario, Jack, I, he was, I'm trying to think back to that time because he scored a few goals, I think, in that cup run um, to get us to the final. And, Did he uh,
0: score at Walsall as well? I've got a, I yeah,
1: I've got I think a we played Walsall, man. he scored. Um, I'm sure there was a few of us as well. So, uh, yeah, and it, that goal at Anfield, which, um, yeah, and I think Jar and Akotja scored the other two. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I mean, quite, I, I mean, just that, talk about a championship manager, sort of a, a few years earlier on championship manager. That would have been a team playing for like Real Madrid or Juventus, not Bolton. So uh, it showed at that that time those goal scorers really showed where we were. But um, yeah, Mario Jardel. It's uh, yeah, it's um, he, he will go down in Bolton history, but not in uh, not in a positive light. But that was a, a small positive in his Bolton career, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's just a crazy, crazy thing. But that just shows you the Bolton team of the time. You've got Mario Jardel, uh, you're a joke, Kevin. JJ Koch with the goals and Kevin Paul in goal. Uh, just a <laughs> yeah. strange, 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 eclectic mix. But um, Chris M's last one is uh, Alan Waldronaldo. And then he says i'm going to get my coat which i think is a good idea chris to be honest if you've got any more fusions then please do let us know um the last email is from james and it's another continuing theme i have got a few of these as well uh on my back burner quantum bleeps I uh, dear mark and henry if i was going to quantum leap into the body of anyone to change the history of bolton wanderers i would begin with eddie davis and reach down the back of my sofa to find the extra money to spend on players They were third on New Year's Day in 2007, and Sam Allardyce wanted a couple more players to make sure they qualified for the Champions League. Wow. I mean, you know, if, if, if they had, and there's there's a lot of arguments to be made because, of course, we know how financially everything worked out and we know how everything declined from there, but you just wonder if they just made those extra two or three. Would would Champions League football have changed the course of Bolton, or would it have been one of those like? Because I remember teams like you know Everton or or kind of West Ham and that lock like into Champions League, and you get knocked out in the qualifying rounds, and you just end up in like the UEFA Cup anyway, and and it's it's almost like it's it was almost pointless doing it. Would that have happened to Bolton, or would they have actually got to a group stage and then suddenly made doodles of money out of it?
1: I think uh, we'd have been like i don't know like a dream team Harchester united at that time who we would have got to actually i think they got knocked out in the uh qualifying stage because they just used everton they, they just used the, the same footage as what everton did but um <laughs> yeah we'd have uh, I, I think i don't know i'd, I'd like to have think we thought we'd got because we did well in the uh uefa Cup. so i think we mm. we'd had a few years of european experience at that point so would uh, you remember when we went to that um that big sam do at the uh at Old Trafford cricket ground last year, and I asked him, didn't I? I said, "Who were the players?" And he said, "Closer," and uh, which I I loved closer watching him in the World Cup. So I was gutted that that never came off. And he mentioned Eto as well, but I mean, he went to Barcelona, so I don't know if we would have beaten Barcelona to his signature. But um, yeah, it just those two names showed at the time where the where we were, with, you know, the markets we were shopping in.
0: Yeah, it would have been something else to see Miroslav Klose playing for for Bolton. I I think the other one, that the the flip side of the coin is that uh, Phil Gartside, God rest his soul, uh, always used to say that one of the players that Sam really wanted was Antoine Sibierski, who was a French player. Oh, he played at City. Midfielder at City, yes. Um, So whilst all this Samueletto stuff I'm sure makes better headlines uh, he always used to argue yeah. that was the one that he really wanted um, and that they didn't want to stump up two million quid to sign Sibierski who knows Sibierski may have ended up being an absolute world beater I don't know he wasn't a bad player he wasn't a bad player
1: yeah, exactly Big Sam would have done more than what Stuart Pierce did with him yeah.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, right, James finishes off. He said, I'd also like to have quantum leaped into David Wheater's body when he was celebrating promotion for a full fortnight in the pubs and clubs of Bolton in <laughs> 2017. Only for the night times, though, not the mornings. Uh, I think, yes, I think so many people that witnessed uh, the, the world's longest pub crawl that pre-season would, uh, would probably uh, would probably agree with you. Unbelievable scenes.
1: Yeah, I was... Um... So at that at that time I was doing a um uh, I was producing a show on t- which was on Tower FM in the evenings. Uh it was a network show so we couldn't do it but we were very close to doing We to Watch at one point <laughs> uh, around that time when we got promoted because it seemed every time we were doing the the show the the guy who presented it uh he was a Norwich fan so he uh, it's not like he had any interest in it, but even he was asking, "Where's Wheater today?" Because he knows that he I'd go on Twitter and go, "Oh, he's uh, he's still out. He's he's in Dave's tattoo parlor in Bolton at the moment, or whatever."
0: <laughs> Where's Weeter now? That would have been a segment from back in the day. I could I could probably get that <laughs> one going again. Uh, which uh, <laughs> which bar is David Weeter in? On that pretty, and and he always he always says, "I only went out for a week," and he always rallies against that one. But I'm not having it at all. Right, okay. Talking about eating establishments. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him.
1: Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today.
0: You? Yeah! Our new segment has definitely caught people's attention. I've had loads and loads and loads of really positive uh, feedback from this one. Um, every week, we get three players who you may have forgotten about, may have completely wiped your memory clean that they ever played for Bolton Wanderers or were involved with Bolton Wanderers. Um, and, I, and what I've done is I've started to get emails back from people suggesting uh, suggesting these players each week we pick a letter. This week is C. Next week is D. Um so if you think up any players beginning with D that you think will make a bit for this segment, please do email us in. I'll give you the email address in a minute. Uh but this week is C. So this week's fascinating facts um are you ready, Henry? Uh because you will be you'll be ranking them according to the Daker's Cogley scale.
1: Yes. Uh one for poor, 10 for Dacus Cogley's um, performances this season, I think they've been very good. So on the, yeah, one is Mario Jardel uh, for Bolton, ten is Dacus Cogley.
0: Absolutely. Right. So we're going to start with Jeff Kassar. Who's Jeff Kassar? I hear you cry. So Jeff Kassar is actually an American goalkeeper. Um, He signed for Bolton in 2002 and played for the USA at the 1996 Olympic Games in fact um, he signed from Dallas Burn an hour before transfer deadline day uh, as as basically his backup to UCS Kline never never played never got on the pitch he was a, a good mate of Ian Bishop the ex-West Ham player and Ian Wone uh, ex-Forest and now Everton assistant boss with uh, with Sean Dash Um, He actually coached in the MLS, coached Real Salt Lake between 2013 and 2017. And here's the stinger. Here's the stinger. And thank you very much, Jeremy, for sending in these ones, by the way, this week. Um, Jeremy has uh, given me a a link to a website, which I clicked on and instantly just started salivating. It's a barbecue restaurant in Rockwall, Texas. It's called Sideways. And it's now co-owned... By Jeff Cassar, the ex Bolton Wanderers goalkeeper. Wow. It well, is amazing. Some of honestly, the barbecue stuff in there is unbelievable. If I am ever in Texas again, because I've been there, but if I ever go again, I'm going to this place. It looks brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean it is in Texas, so that could be like we could go and think, wow, this is amazing, but it'd be the equivalent of, I don't know, a Weber Spoons here, do you know, like, <laughs> to them it's like, oh, this is bang average, but to us it's like, wow, look at this, it's got, I don't know, the massive set of horns on the, the wall and you can pick your own cow before you kill it or whatever they do over there.
0: I urge you to have a look. It's uh, called Sideways. It's in Rockwall, Texas. It is well worth a look and the menu looks superb. Jeff, if you're listening, I'm more than happy to accept a free uh, meal review um, and uh, flights as well, if possible. Um, right, the se- oh sorry, you've not you've not ranked that according to the Dakers Cogley scale. How amazing is it?
1: Oh, uh, I will always give a, a, a one or two extra Dakers Cogly points for MLS references. Um, if you've not listened to it, MLS UK show—that's my other podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's playoff season, so it's getting exciting. Um, I'm gonna give that an eight. It'd probably be a six if it was anyone else, but I'll give it an eight because MLS references.
0: Jeff Kassar gets an eight. Because Cogleys, okay. Second one is Charlie Commin Platt. Charlie oh. Comin Platt, uh, a defender who played a, a few games in the cup games uh, in two thousand three four. Under Sam Allardyce, uh, including he played in both games against Tranmere in the FA Cup that season. They ended up going out. Yeah. Um, Played uh, later in his career for Swindon, uh, for Rochdale, for Forest Green. Uh, He played a couple of times in Australia as well. And then he got his coaching badges after he finished in 2015 and he worked at Oldham Athletic. Now, the... The stat, which you're going to be uh, ranking on the Dacus Cogby scale, is he's now working for Liverpool. But as their Finnish scout, he's working in Finland to spot the next Jussi Askelainen, basically.
1: Right. Uh, and, uh, I mean, yeah, Jussi Askelainen's got a few sons, hasn't he, who are playing, so it might be quite easy to spot the next Jussi Askelainen. <laughs> Um, I think they only
0: have to go to Nantwich for one of them. I'm sure he's playing
1: <laughs> <yeah>. in Cheshire. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, that's uh, yeah, that's that's good. It's, it's. I think he gets a, a one or two extra points because he's he's not from Finland. He's from you know, I assume round here. So he's he's ventured out. I quite like that. Mm.
0: That's. I, so, I can think of
1: worse jobs. Yeah, we'll give it a seven.
0: It does show you though how the big clubs scout there, doesn't it? Imagine having a a payroll that includes well this guy works for us in Finland you know on the off chance that there's a Finnish player that we might go and watch uh, just yeah. every country in the world's got somebody just sat there like I'm yeah I'm working for Liverpool mate yeah yeah seriously <laughs> yeah good <laughs> effort good effort yeah I um, like that the third one now this I I'm so happy about it it's untrue I'm, I I nearly told you at the top of the show yeah it was that good but so, Max Clayton.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Now everybody uh, I think, sh-
0: should remember Max Clayton. You remember Max Clayton. Yeah.
1: Shame that his injuries with his career because um, I think he he, he, he was, I was excited when he signed for Bolton and I think he showed glimpses. Mm. Uh he scored away at Coventry, didn't he? And uh, definitely did. Against, against, did he score at home to Wigan? Can't remember. Uh
0: Maybe. yeah,
1: I think he did. I think he did. Uh but Played yeah, 30 games, injuries. Yeah, so uh, go on. I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what Max Clayton's up to now.
0: Okay, so so Max Clayton, as you say, just ridiculous luck with injuries at Bolton. Um, signed from Crew uh, for about three hundred thousand pounds. It was it was a really convoluted deal. That even that in itself is probably worth a couple of days. Because the fact that he uh, went away playing in Scandinavia at one stage, it looked like he was going to go just to circumnavigate the. Um, the training fees uh thing for crew to get himself a free transfer in the end dougie decided to spend three hundred thousand uh on him to bring him in um so then played for bolton got a couple of really really big injuries such a nice lad such a decent guy um but just didn't happen for him at bolton in the end he left played for blackpool very briefly uh altering them very very briefly so do you want to know what he's doing now of course. He is the manager of a pizza business called Geordie's Pizza. All right. Now, that's a fine and honorable profession. And, and and by the way, the pizza looks amazing. It's a kind of a mobile business. So it's like a catering pizza business rather than it being, you know, a high street, you know, takeout shop or anything. It's, it's definitely more upmarket than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's the manager of this. Now... The, the interesting thing that our listener has said is that I actually came across this whilst reading an article in The Guardian. Um, so Max Clayton was quoted in The Guardian discussing the effects on uh, local businesses in Crewe of the HS2 collapse. So (laughs) it was a picture of Max Clayton, and this is how I verified it. I looked at this picture, I'm like, that's Max Clayton. Um, He's got a beard and a moustache now and everything. But he's, uh, he's, he's stood there, obviously, being quoted by the Guardian, saying what a terrible thing it was for the area that this train line isn't going through. And suddenly, after years of trying to find out what Max Clayton is up to we now know um, he's he's running a, a successful pizza biz, pizza business. So um, the very best of luck to him. And next time Bolton are in that area, I am having some pizza, no question.
1: Yeah, I like that. I really like that. Um, yeah, great. Good on... Oh, yeah, I've just got the article. <laughs> Have got you got it? <laughs> yeah, that is Max Clayton. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, well, good on Max. He's, uh, yeah, he's... I mean, sometimes I think when you... When you have that sort of injury, uh, you know you 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 kind of just want to get away from football, and mm. he's he's clearly uh, doing all right for himself. Um, and he's uh, well, he doesn't look very happy in the photo.
0: No, but <laughs> to then again, HS two isn't coming. So, where would you be? Yeah.
1: <laughs> of course, yeah. So, uh, no, that's good. To, uh, that's uh, I'm going to give that. A, that's a really interesting one. If you would have said, "What's Max Clayton doing now?" I would never have got that. So, I'm going to stick that in the nines. That's a. Uh, Wow. That's a really interesting one, and fair play to, um, you know, to the guy who found it because yeah, he's literally had to. He's probably, I mean, I've googled it and it's it's about the fifth or the sixth photo of Max Clayton pizza out to put in. So he's had to do his research. So yeah, that's <laughs> great.
0: Absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much uh, for the uh, email. And this is how to get in touch with your own is So you want to bring something up on the buff. Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L All one word at gmail.com And sorry to the mail escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. And indeed, any other emails that you might decide. Okay, we're going to close the show out by, uh, well, there's some more football coming up, so we're going to make some predictions. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week?
1: Prediction time.
0: Yes, indeed, it's FA Cup weekend, FA Cup first round weekend, which for Bolton in recent years has meant sorrow and despair. Um, for Ian Evert, for his entire managerial career has been sorrow and despair. For whatever reason, he has just not managed to get anything going in the FA Cup yet. So could this be the year it changes round? Bolton, of course, we've won it four times, been to the final. There's been numerous giant killings with some glorious memories. But recently, it has been a bugbear. Is this the year that it changes Henry Hewitt?
1: yes, we're going to win it five times. Um, <laughs> uh, no. Amazing. Do you remember Ian Everett's first season at Bolton when his first match was that uh, Carabao Cup game is Bradford and he said before it we could, uh, you know, he, I mean, he obviously was massively sort of, not misquoted, but it was over-egged where he said, well, we're in it, we might as well try and win it. Mm. Uh, and yeah, before your first game and then we lost two ones to Bradford, that didn't go uh, go according to plan. But um but yeah, it's uh, it's a big game for us. I I want us to have an FA Cup run. I, I you know you look at okay, we're not going to win it. I obviously joked about that, but you know for Bolton just to put us back on the map again, and you know you think if we can get through because as, as the team that are third currently in League One, we are we should be getting through to the to the third round of the FA Cup because we're the, technically the third best team that are in it at the moment. So uh, Solioli is a game we should be winning and then you get into the next round and barring a an away game at at Portsmouth or Oxford or a long trip to a League One club which would just be very uh, underwhelming. Um, we could get a, a TV game and then you get into the third round and I'm sure Bolton Wanderers are one of those lower league names, Dave. As soon as we draw out a Premier League team we're going to be on the telly. So, And uh, I think it'd be great for the like when we played Middlesbrough early in the season, it'd be great for the, the the team to pit themselves against teams that hopefully will be playing again in the next few years. So, mm. yeah, I think it's a big game. And, um, you know, I think there's, you don't want to be that team, do you? you don't, there's always a few teams in, in League One or League Two that get knocked out to non-league and it's a big thing and you just don't want to, you'd, you'd take an, a comfortable 2 or 3 no win and just move on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, you, you think back at the obvious glory days, the, the Bruce Rioch FA Cup games, and, and they sparked something. The, the, it, cup runs can generate something. And now you could always, you, could, you that's already going on at Bolton. Obviously, you can see there's 20,000 plus average attendance at Bolton. There's, there's clearly interest. It's not like that needs to be done, but it can give you a bit of motivation. It can kind of define what your era is about. And I think for Ian Evert at the moment, you know, he still he needs to get that promotion, you know, that next promotion for him to be truly regarded as as one of the 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 great Bolton managers potentially. And he probably does need that bit of cup success as well. I think that, and I, and I know Papa John's is one thing, but I think the FA Cup is a completely different thing. And I think that if you were to get the giant killing in that competition or the Janking, or just the, the, the good results in that competition as Bruce Rayock did, then I think that does tick a box. And um, I think I remember Phil Neal and people are always comparing Phil Neal with, with Ian Ever, and the fact that, you know, this, this perceived ceiling at the, on this division, but Phil Neal took his team to Manchester United and nearly beat them. Mm. You know, had that result gone differently, does, does things change completely for Bolton Wanderers? Who knows? It's another sliding doors moment, potentially. But um, I I do think he needs to get this monkey off his back. He definitely doesn't need a home defeat from a non-league team. Um, And I don't think he will. I think they're playing well enough to comfortably beat Solihull Moors. Um, I'm going to go 3-0, in fact. That's how comfortable. All three goals in the first half. Nothing in the second (laughs) half, other than... Uh, abject misery <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I think they'll I think they'll win. I'm going to go 3-0 um, uh, uh, scoreline prediction from you but also how many changes do you make with Shrewsbury on Tuesday night in mind who do you rest or if anybody
1: um, I would I would rest Charles maybe have him on the bench I'd start with Bud Varsen and on to be honest yeah. um they seem to be playing well together when they come on. And I think having a we saw with Unlunderloo against United uh under twenty threes or under twenty ones, whatever it was, um where he scored a few goals. I think this is an opportunity for him. But for me looks off the pace. So he needs a game um to start have a good sixty or seventy minute game. Um so I, I think for Bud Farson, it's his touch that he he just needs that match yeah, I just think he needs a few games, so I'd, I'd like to see him play. Other than that, I would. Joel Coleman's injured, which is unfortunate for him. He would have probably played. Now, he, Baxter's probably going to be in, and I, I think Baxter has links to Solihull, does he? So he might want to yeah. play anyway. He does, he yeah. used to play from um, you. Yep. So Uh I'd Dapo. be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Dapo can't play in the game. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, Santos, I, I, I'd be surprised if Santos plays. I think you're looking at, uh, the likes of Forrester coming in and uh, Ashworth is, if he's fit um, I'd give Magoma another game Mendes Gomez I think it's a perfect game for him whether he he will play or not I don't know because he's coming back from injury so um, and then I think other than that you for me you, you're kind of looking at you're looking at players that need a bit of form uh, for me so the likes of some Morley I'd probably put I mean he's done well Morley in the last few games but I'd probably put him in I wouldn't play thomason because he's he's doing well enough um I wouldn't play Sheehan because he's doing well enough so yeah'd use it here, we? <laughs> we are yeah actually um i i'd I'd maybe start with Matheson, actually
0: yeah oh. no that's a good shot actually i, I forgot about Matheson yeah people like Dakers Cogley' would be one of the ones that would be quite easy to swap out and save to Shrewsbury, I suppose same as uh Williams. You maybe give Iredale a shout on the left-hand side because, you know, Randell I think they showed what he can do when he comes back in fresh as a daisy. It was a, it was a good yeah. swap round at Wickham the other week. So, I think they will mix it up. I think they'll they'll try and you know be as as clever as they can because Shrewsbury's a big game and it's not a it's not a place uh, that Bolton have done especially well in the past. It, it always seems to be a bit of a, a sticky place and certainly uh, last season proved that way in the snow. Um, but I reckon they'll leak out a result there as well. I reckon that's a one nil. That's got one nil written all over it for me, Clive.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd take that. I'd take the, a one nil with Dion Charles scoring from yeah 20 yards or whatever it was again. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's a game for Bolton. These are the games that your season's defined on, I think. And, and, You know, I mentioned that they beat uh, Derby, uh, you know, the other week, and that's probably why Derby are going to be, you know, hoping to get the playoffs. And it's the type of game that Bolton last year were losing. Uh, If you want to get in the top two, you've got to go to these teams and and get wins. And uh, is it Matty Taylor, their manager, I believe, as well? So, yeah. Maybe he'll want to get one over uh, on Bolton. But, um, yeah, I think it's. yeah, I can see it sort of I can see us winning 2-0. I can see it sort of being similar to the, the Charlton games to be honest. Um but I think as as long as we score early and then control the game, I think we'll be fine.
0: Indeed, indeed. Did you did you give me a prediction and all that?
1: Uh the yeah, 2-0 against Shrewsbury and I'm going to go I'm going to go 4-1 against Solihull. 4-1.
0: My word. Uh, No Connor Hall, by the way, I'm hearing. He's uh, extended his loan at Farnborough Town. So there won't be any Connor Hall in the Shrews. That is absolutely up-to-date info, by the way. But uh, yes, Farnborough Town have extended Connor Hall's loan. He won't be in the Solihull Moors squad this weekend. Uh, Right, after that bombshell, uh, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, Join us again next Friday, where we'll have well, some Solihull and some Shrewsbury, obviously, but also a bit of Blackpool and a bit of Stockport in the EFL Trophy in the world's deadest rubber. Exciting times indeed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, noticed that you. the club, uh, sorry, the club said on uh, Twitter, going, oh, tickets now available for the Stockport game. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I'll be, uh, it'd be that old Jasper Carrot joke, where he says, I said to the guy next to, I, I thought, I said to the guy next to me, Oi! Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm glad you didn't do that down the mic. I, I I could see that joke coming a mile off and I just took my earplugs out. I was like, <laughs> no, this is going to hurt. Uh, yes, yes, the old ones are the best ones. Um, yes, thanks very much for joining us once again. We're back next Friday. We're back all the time. We don't stop. We never stop. We're a machine, a podcasting <laughs> machine. Yes. Um, and until next week, that guy has been Henry Hewitt.
1: And this guy has been, well, that guy, not this guy. This guy's Henry Hewitt. That guy's Mark Iles.
0: (laughs) That guy probably is. Uh, And that podcast has been the buff.